0: Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy
1: today's message.
0: Praise the Lord. Can I just say this? I have those fond memories of ladies like Sister Summers. The the light white hairs and the blue hairs back in those days. I have fond memories of bold, strong, prayerful, godly women in the church. And I want to say this to you ladies who are here. Don't think of those ladies as just some fond memory of days gone by for the church. This is your moment. This is your moment. It's time for you to to be that lady. It's time for you. It's time for you to be that lady in the church. It's not afraid to stand up and to punch the devil right in the face. Not scared to stand up while the pastor... And just standing up. That's what I'm talking about. Bold as a lion. We need those women in the church again. I saw the fire of God fall so many times. These ladies, they'd shout there in those days, they'd shout their hair down. Y'all don't even know what that is. They'd shout, cut the rug. I thought the carpet was going to vanish if there was any carpet. We need the powerful women of God in the church today. And I don't care who, who, who is here, what age you are. You need to be that person. We cannot allow the church to be a, 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 a foregone favorite memory. The church is today. And we are the church. This is the generation. The Lord has called you. He, you were born into this world for such a time as this. As Esther said, you are now the, the women. And I'm just talking to the ladies. You, you're the women that need to stand up in boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to just speak the word of God over the church. Powerful. Amen. Well, God bless you this morning. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn to Psalm 34. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. There's a few words that I'll probably refer back to when I go back because of the The King James Version is the version that I memorized, this psalm. But I'd like for us to do something this morning. And I want you to have your Bibles, if you have your phones, if you don't have a, an instrument to look at the Scripture, I would like for everyone in the room to stand in reverence of the reading of the Word of God. And I want you to read it with me today. I want you to read it from the screen. You have your Bible, so you're going to be ready to study as we go through this psalm, but I want you to look at the screen because that's going to be the words that we're going to use. Do we have that, Juanita? Psalm 34. Read it with me. There is a preface to this psalm because it says this in the small notations. You can see it there in your Bibles. We won't show it on the screen, but it says, A Psalm of David... When he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. Verse 1. Read it with me. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, so not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems His servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in Him. Can we give the Lord praise for His Word this morning? (laughs) Father, we pray that, Lord, that You would bless Your Word, inspire it to our hearts. Lord, encourage us and uplift us, Lord, by these words that You have, Lord, laid before us this morning. May Your Spirit, O God, direct it to the hearts that need to hear it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. There's a quote that the theologian F.B. Meyer says he said that unbelief puts our circumstances between us and God. But faith puts God between us and our circumstances. I believe that the the author of this psalm this Beautiful, poetic verse, David, I believe he understood what belief in God did for him and his life. You see, I know that most everybody in this room has seen the hand of God at some time working in their life. You've seen God's provision. You've seen God's healing. You've seen God's touch. And because of it, you've praised Him for His actions and for His deeds and for the goodness that He's done because He's delivered you from so many things. I wouldn't have time today if I were to begin to te- have my own personal testimony service of all the things that God has done. It's amazing we can even have three or four because I know you could elaborate for minutes and moments and hours if you would begin to just testify all the things that God has done because, you know, what he's done so much that there are times probably in some of your life where you shouldn't even be sitting in the seat that you're sitting in today you you shouldn't even be alive some of you today but thanks be to the grace of almighty god you are here today praising him and lifting up his name and enjoying his luscious encouraging word lord has cared for us all and this psalm written by david was written during a transitional time in his life How many of you understand transition? We understand transition because our world and your life and mine is in constant change. We live like we're sitting on top of a a merry-go-round, spinning, constantly changing. I, I read an article that technology changes or doubles every 18 months. So the computer you had 18 months ago, it's outdated. The cell phone you had 18 months ago, it's outdated. They've got new technology they haven't even released because they haven't sold all the old stuff yet. And they want to make their money. Political changes are happening in rapid succession. Dynamic shifts in the world are changing an unprecedented scale. We live in a period of transition. I believe we are transitioning not in just those places, but personally we're all transitioning. I mean, matter of fact, did you look in the mirror this morning? When you look in that mirror, my friend, you ain't that striking 25-year-old anymore, I hate to tell you. Troy, I don't have the same looks I had a few years ago. I was looking at some pictures we took on vacation, and I thought, my God, who is that guy? That's not who I imagined myself to be. We're in transition. We are, in tra- we are, we are changing. Our lives are changing. Physically, we are changing. Family structures are changing. There's people who are in your family now who weren't in your family last year or five years ago. There's people who are not in your family today who were in your family a year or five years ago. Everything is a constant flux. Routines change. Your driving habits have changed, praise God. That big diesel truck I used to drive on two wheels going around corners, I turn that thing off and coast downhill nowadays. We're in the midst of change. And in those times, what happens to us is there becomes this uncertainty that settles into our hearts. And fear can begin to develop. You say, No, Pastor, I don't, I'm not afraid. No you may not be fearful and shaking in your boots, but whenever uncertainty injects itself into your life, it's kind of like a stutter when you talk or a stumble or, or, or a mist. We always have a measure of hesitation when uncertainty faces our life. Well, the Bible speaks of that little hesitation as fear. It's what the Bible references. It's fear. It's It's apprehension, hesitation. Some would say it's worry or stress or whatever. But we have this certain measure because we don't know exactly how things are going to turn out. We like to be informed, don't we? We like to know what the outcome is before we get started. And that's why the Word of God is so relevant for us today. You just read the prescription for that apprehension and hesitation in your life. The uncertainty that seems to surround us in our world right now, whether it's in America or on the other side of the world, that apprehension, that uncertainty, that fear of what's going to happen next, it's answered by God's Word. And David knows it. He understands it. Because that's what he's doing. He's writing, not knowing exactly how things are turning out. I don't recommend that you pretend being insane. Although some of you wouldn't have very far to go. That's what David did. But then he thought I could get to the Philistines and I could go to Achish. And I'll be just acting like a crazy man. And they'll, they'll give me some room. But they, he was found out and the gig was up before he hardly ever got started. Acting crazy so that they wouldn't kill him because Saul had a had a bounty out on his life. And David is in that situation. I don't know what's gonna happen. What do I do? Well, I'm gonna act crazy. I mean, if I'm crazy and bad things happen, it won't matter because I won't know it any different. That's where David is. In Psalm 34, he 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 says this. But then when the gig is up, he realizes. That's not the answer. And he begins his psalm in verse 1. You got your Bibles, you got your handheld devices out. Look at it. He says this. So, when this fear and uncertainty that comes against me, he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. Uncertain, certain, knowing the outcome, not knowing the outcome, good times, bad times. Rain or shine, I will extol. I learned it this way. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall always or continually be on my lips. I will bless the Lord at all times. Let me tell you something about a true worshiper of God. A true worshiper of God is not just a casual churchgoer. A true worshiper of God are those people who have experienced the power and the love of Jesus Christ. And they can identify completely with verse 1 because true worshipers know how to cultivate an attitude of gratitude in their life. They bless the Lord at all times. When the bank account's empty, I will bless the Lord. When the accountants make a mistake and I've got to pay a bunch of taxes, I'm going to praise the Lord and then I'm going to call that accountant. Praise God. tell you the key to keeping your head on straight to keeping life in order in your life is verse one it's simple i will bless the lord at all times complaining will get you nowhere feeling sorry for yourself will get you nothing Blaming God will get you nowhere doubting the mercies of the Lord will get you nothing if you want to keep your head on straight Start praising God like you've never praised him before right now If you're here in this place and you say pastor my life There's so much uncertainty in my life friends. You can't miss a chance to praise the Lord bless him at all times Let his praise be upon your lips if you're too cool to sing to God, let me tell you, you're too cool toward God. Let's keep going. If you're too cool to lift your hands to the Lord, then you're too cool to God. Take another step. If you're too cool to dance before the Lord, to cut up just a little bit, then you're too cool. Before God. You know why? Because no one can sing God's praises for you. God wants to hear your voice. He wants to see your hands. He wants to see your dance. Even though nobody else may want to copy your dance, He wants to see it. Shannon and Sydney came in, they've been shopping yesterday. God help us. Amen, Aaron. God help us. You guys, I'm telling you. They went shopping, wedding shopping. God help me. Wedding shopping. And they came back. The first thing that Shannon ever says to me when she comes back from shopping is what? You guys have heard it. You want to know how much I saved you? (laughs) I found some of the best deals ever. I'm like, how do you do this every time? The best deals don't happen every time you leave the driveway. But here's what happened. They're up there working, doing some wedding stuff, and Sydney is on the phone and she's talking to the people that are doing the wedding, and holding the venue and stuff. If you don't, if you don't know this, everything costs something. There, there is no free, ever. I mean, the chairs—they ain't even free. You buy the. You buy the bill. then you gotta buy the chairs, then you gotta buy the table and the tablecloths, and you gotta rent everything—everything, dishes, forks, and spoons. I'm like, plastics good for me, you know? It costs everything, and then Sydney's on the phone, and she says, and I hear her say something like, "And the plates, and the and the silverware." And the glasses? I come out of my office. I've been studying. I come out, I was like, what's going on? Because I hear Shannon upstairs. Woo! (laughs) And the glasses, woo, woo. I'm like, what is happening? I I walked out of my office and she said, they're gonna give it all to us for free. I said, what? Praise break. Hey, hey. (laughs) Say what? I ain't kidding. For about five minutes, I'm in the foyer of our house. Hey, come on, <laughs> shouting glory all the way. Praise the Lord. I just had to pause. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Hallelujah. David was in a tight spot. Saul had a bounty on his life. He said, I don't care. I'm going to praise the Lord anyway. You see, sometimes God calms the storm around you and sometimes God calms the storm within you. Can I give you a little understanding? He usually works in the latter. He wants to calm the storm in you before he calms the storm around you. He goes on in verse 2 and he says, So let the afflicted hear thereof and be glad. Now I know where you personally may think it yourself to be. But let me give you a little reality. There are people around you who need to hear you praise. Let the afflicted hear what? Well, let them hear us praising God, lifting our voice, dancing before the Lord. Let everybody be happy because there are afflicted. There are people who, who, are, who are overwhelmed in this world and in this life. Life has overwhelmed them because they don't know the answers. They don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship. They're not like Sister Summers here, like, like the rest of us who have a home beyond this life who are a part of a kingdom that's much bigger than the kingdom of the United States or the kingdom of this globe and the people of this earth. We are a part of a kingdom that, is, that shall live forever. We are, so, we, are, we are just citizens passing through. And they need to hear the praise of God's people because when they begin to hear that, they say, what, what do you have to be so happy about? Don't you see the economy is going to the toilet? Don't you see people are getting laid off everywhere? Don't you see that we could be in World War III? Let the afflicted hear. Let them hear what? The shouts of God's people. The praises of the Lord. The songs that we sing. The worship that we give, let them hear. Because if we don't, God's going to fill this church up with a bunch of rocks. Because Jesus said in Luke 19, he said, if my people hold back, then I will just let the rock start singing out in this place. Let me tell you, God's going to get his praise from somewhere and it might as well be from you and it might as well be from me. I've just made up my mind. I'm not going to let a rock sit in my chair or sit on this platform. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Somebody say, praise God. I know some of you are struggling in life. I know it's hard. Certain things are happening. You don't have the answers. You're in uncertain territory. You're afraid. There's apprehension in your heart. Lift up a shout. Lift up your praise. Lift up your hands to God, my friend, because your deliverance is coming. Praise the Lord. Verse 5, look at it. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man, David said, this poor man, the Lord heard him. Acting all crazy and insane. Foaming at the mouth. This crazy man. God heard me. He saved me from my troubles. When you turn toward the Lord, your face becomes radiant. Here's what happens. When, when, When uncertain times happen, what happens is the walls of our life start getting closer. The windows get, shades get pulled, the doors get locked and you feel like that you're just stuck in this room and the world begins to get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. You can't see anything. You're stumbling around trying to find your way out. It's pitch black. You can't see anything. It's like a group of miners. It's a thousand feet below the surface and they can't see anything because there's no light down there. But what happens is that when you begin to look toward the Lord, he says, those who look... See, here, not looking at the, not not fumbling around in the dark, not fumbling around in your life trying to figure out how you're going to put things in, but you start looking to Jesus. You start looking to Him. In that darkness, all of a sudden, just like a miner who sees a small crack of light, you start seeing it. You start seeing your way out. Because your face begins to feel the the sunlight of God and He gives you direction out of your uncertainty, out of your apprehension, out of your nervousness, out of your fear. The Lord begins to show and glow upon your face. He lights up your face. He begins to give you the way forward. Some of you are kind of just stuck in your life because you don't know which way to go. You're just you're sitting still because you're uncertain. I don't know what to do. Should I, should I do this? Should I go here? Should I take this job? Should I, should I move here? Should we do this? What do, what do I do? Look to Jesus. Look to Him. Because verse 7 says this, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him, and He delivers Him. When I was a young boy, I had terrible nightmares, terrible. You know, the prophet Joel says, that in the last days he'd pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your young men would see visions. Your old men dream dreams. Servants and handmaids, he'd pour out his spirit. I was a young man, I saw visions. I was just a young boy, six, seven, eight, nine years old. I saw things, spiritual things, Some of them were terrifying. When I was a kid, there was a tormenting spirit that came to me. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I mean, I was scared to go to bed. I was scared to be alone. Now, I didn't live this way. It only happened certain times, but I was afraid because I had seen some things in the spiritual realm. And it scared me. I remember mom came in one night. She was going to tuck me in, turn the lights out. And I said, Mom, would you just stay in here? Would you stay in here with me for a little while? And she said, No, honey. She said, I've got to go uh, and sleep in, in dad's bed. I kind of rolled over and I said, Well, he's a big sissy. I was afraid. And dad got up. And he came into my bedroom, and he read this psalm to me. And when he got to verse 7, he said, And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. He asked me, he said, Do you fear the Lord? I said, Absolutely, with all my heart. I know Jesus. I love him with all my heart. And he said, Son, you're not alone in this room. He said, The angel of the Lord has pitched his tent right here. As he left the room, I'll never forget it. I know exactly where I was. I know where my bed position was. I know the room, and I know exactly what happened. As he turned that light off, I closed my eyes for just a little while. I opened my eyes again, and there standing in the corner of my room was this presence. It wasn't... It, I wasn't afraid. I was more wild. Because standing from the floor to that ceiling, about eight foot tall, was this bright, shiny, big dude. He didn't scare me. I didn't think, oh, somebody broke into the house. I knew what he was there for. Because the verse that my dad had read about 30 minutes earlier... Was revealed to me just a boy at nine years old. And I looked and I saw him. And after that moment, I never had trouble going to sleep again because the angel of the Lord was encamping around my life. Friends, there are present and heavenly beings surrounding you. They're in your house, they're in your car, they're in this church because the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. How many of you fear the Lord? How many of you have a respect for God? How many of you love Jesus with all your heart? You're not alone. There are angels guarding over your life. You don't have to be afraid. You're not alone in all this. Look at verse 11. David gives these instructions. He said, well, how does this work? How do I fear the Lord? He says, let me teach you how to fear the Lord. Sounds good, Pastor like to have my own private angel security guard. Verse 12, Whoever loves life and desires to see many good days, I don't know of anybody that would discount that verse, Keep your tongue from evil. Let's just pause right there. There's far too many Christians in the church who have a tongue as long as a carpenter's tape measure? They lie. They talk trash. They slander. When somebody leaves the room, that person becomes the object of the conversation. Their things are hurtful, things that they say. Sarcasm becomes the norm in their life and then their conversation. I've seen things posted on social media and I think, my God in heaven, how can you claim to represent Jesus Christ and put that out there coming from you? How can we say such things? Let me tell you something. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Fresh water and salt water cannot come from the same well. Tell you, 90% of all marital issues result from somebody's tongue, their mouth. Once we learn to control our mouths, let me tell you something, that's called fearing the Lord. James has a lot to say about that. Who can control this wily beast within us? It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that every time that long slithering sucker starts trying to tear somebody else down, the Holy Spirit slaps you upside the mouth and said, no, shut your mouth. God gave us a mouth to lift up and to edify. That's what the the church is supposed to do. You're supposed to be edifying. And and the old wives, the the old-fashioned saying that said, if you don't have nothing to say that's any good, then just don't say it at all. It's applicable, whether it's biblical verse or not. He says, if you want to fear the Lord, first of all, learn to tame your tongue. Second is you need to turn from evil. Get out of those evil situations, he's saying. What I like to say is, if you're worried if it's right or wrong, you need to stay a country mile away. Y'all know what a country mile is? Here's what a country mile is. When you drive from here to Louisville, it seems like it's just like that, right? Unless it's at 5 o'clock rush hour you can drive from here to lewisville you can even drive from here to dallas and it really doesn't seem like it takes all that long and you didn't even know that you drilled about 30 miles 35 miles when you go north where there's no buildings and there's no people and there's no businesses along the side of the road and you're driving through and all you see is just trees and a bunch of cows and some bar ditches and you're driving 35 miles you're just like man this is taking forever when you're driving through louisville it don't take long at all why that's a country mile a country mile is further than what you think you're driving the same distance, but when there's nothing out there, what, is, what am I telling you? I'm saying you need to stay a country mile away from those things that would be evil, which means when, it, when there's nothing around you, you'll recognize that that is exactly where God wants you. You don't need to be getting close to things. If you have to wonder, well, I wonder if this is right or wrong, then you need to get away from it. Fear the Lord. Turn from evil. Seek peace and pursue it. If you have a strained relationship in your life, make that phone call. Send that email. Don't just send a text. Follow it up with a a conversation. Initiate it. Take responsibility in your life, in your marriage, in your home, between your children to initiate peace. Don't just say, well, you know what? He's the man of the house. He should start it. No, sister, you can too. And brother, cut the pride off at the door and tell your wife you're sorry. Seek peace and pursue it. Don't allow things to hang over you because, look at verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the memory of them from the earth. You know, as graceful as this Psalm 34 is, there is a little edge to it, isn't there? (laughs) He didn't just say, Oh, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to send angels around you. I'm going to watch over you and just give this carte blanche answer just for everybody. No, he says that against those who do evil, I'm going to cut you off from the earth. Uh, That's a little edgy. We live in a world where everybody thinks that God's just going to, oh, he's just going to pat me on the back, take care of me, and everything that I do, he's just going to give me a a big hall pass, and I'm just going to be able to go and do whatever I want to do. Let me tell you, that's not the Word of God. The Word of God says if you participate, if you do, if you constantly have a heart that's wicked and turn toward evil things, God's going to cut you off. There is no blessing There is no peace. There is no satisfaction for someone who is seeking to do evil in their life. And let me tell you something. A a choice not to do anything about your spiritual condition is a choice. You have sought to turn away from God. There's only two ways. You're either going toward Him or you're going away from Him. God's firing some shots over the heads of some of us because we're trying to live this Life on the fence. And let me tell you something, it doesn't work. Either you're a friend of God or you're an enemy of God. There's only two camps. There is no gray zone. Verse 17, the righteous cry out, the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Look at that verse. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. had a friend whose son got into some serious trouble with the law. We prayed and we asked God to to work in that situation, but in the end, his son was sentenced to prison. One of the first visits that his father made with his son there in the penitentiary, he gave him this psalm written on a piece of cloth, Psalm 34. And that boy hung that piece of cloth up in his cell, and he looked at it every day. And he told this story that after he had been there for quite some time, he came to verse 18, and if you look at verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to the broken and the crushed. He doesn't explain how you become broken hearted or how you get crushed. Because life has a way of crushing us, doesn't it? Life has a way of pressing every ounce of hope out of us. He read that psalm every day, and he came to verse 18. He knew he was in jail because of his own actions. He knew that he was broken, that his heart was crushed because of his own actions. And he repented, and he gave his heart to Jesus. And let me tell you something, it's because of that verse, this kid kept going. And God saved his life because he recognized that the Lord was near No matter what he had done, the Lord was still waiting near, waiting for him to recognize that he needed a Savior. The Lord's close to the brokenhearted. He's close close to those who are crushed. In verse 19, he says, "We we may have many troubles. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised us troubles in life. I wish I could stand behind this pulpit this morning and tell you, you know what? Nothing ever bad is ever going to happen to any of your lives anymore. I would love to preach that message, but it's just not true. Jesus said in John 16, He said, In this life, you will have trouble. You're going to have trouble. And being a follower of Jesus does not vaccinate you from that trouble, but it does immunize you from the fear that the trouble brings. Rather than fearing the troubles of life and fearing the circumstances of life, what he does is he saves you from the fears of that trouble. Are you following me? You might have a flat tire on the way home, God forbid. It's just trouble. But you don't have to fear because the Lord is going to be with you. There may be some of you who might down the road, you might get diagnosed with something. Who knows? But you don't have to fear because the Lord God is with you. And he go back to verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will constantly be upon my lips, by my mouth. I don't care what... What I hear. I don't care what report I get. I know the report that I will believe is the report of the Lord. I want to close with going back to verse 8. I skipped over those verses intentionally. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Look at verse 10. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Oh yeah, trouble may come, but I won't be in lack. It's hard to describe honestly what this verse means to me, these these few verses. Shannon and I have been in a lot of different countries. Ministered in a lot of different places, a lot of different cultures. One time we were in Central, Central Asia. Caucasus area. Armenia. Azerbaijan. Georgia. Those are the Caucasus area. I'll just tell you. They've got some unique delicacies. And whenever you're in in places like that, especially as a visiting minister, when you go to that pastor's house, you understand this and she knows it. They're going to bring the best they have in their house. It makes you uncomfortable because I've sat down at a table and there's been four chairs. All for the ministers. And we would sit at this table filled with, with, it was nothing but it was plastic lawn chairs and a a little card table. We sat at that table and all around the room everybody else watched us eat because that was the only food that they had to prepare. Boy, talk about you eat what you get set in front of you. I'm sitting there at that table in that little lawn chair and they they pull this bucket thing and they set it on the table. And I'm like, This isn't starting well. Because as they stirred that thing around, I caught the glimpse of an eyeball that was in there. And I said, my God, I didn't know I was going to die in Central Asia of food poisoning, but this could be the day. As they began to spoon that stuff out, I just... Prayed. I said, God, urgently, I need your strength because I don't know if I can choke this stuff down. And the Lord gave me this verse. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's when I said, God, you got the wrong number. Try again. I ate that stuff. And it was all right. Wasn't too bad. What got me was the water that they had brought in from the river. That messed me up. I didn't know you could get that sick. But the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know what I am? All of my adult life, you know all I've ever been? I've been nothing but a waiter at a table. That's all I've ever done, really. When you go to a restaurant, Olive Garden, or El Matador, whatever you do, and your waiter comes up, how can I help you? What would you like to drink? We've got some specials. Would you like to hear about the special? Would you like some chips and queso? Would you like some guacamole to go along with that? Why, sure, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll have a little bit of that. You bring back, you feast on the chips and salsa after you've ordered three enchiladas and beans and rice. Sopa pea is to come. And oh, man, the spread, it's spread all over the table and you're just enjoying it. And your waiter keeps coming back. Hey, can I fill up that cup? Would you like anything else? Would you like some soap peas? Let's top it off. How about ice cream on that? Oh. All I've ever done my entire life is wait tables. Every Sunday, I, 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 get, a, I get something hot from the kitchen And I lay it in front of you and I say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Feast upon His goodness. Experience His grace. If you've done something this week that you're ashamed of, God's grace is greater than all of our sin. If you feel like that God is not working on your behalf, I want to remind you the goodness of God is unchanging. There's mercy... There is grace. There is a love of God that cannot be passed by anything. It can't be crushed by anything. The love of God extends from one part of the the universe to the other. The love of God can't be surpassed. I serve it up every week. I'm just a waiter. I'm asking you, would you just taste it? Would you just try a little bit? Would you like to just experience a little bit of the power of the Holy Spirit? It will transform your life. All you need to do is just get a little bit of appetite I'm just trying to serve some folks some food here and I'm just encouraging verse eight that says would you just taste it just try it but then we got I don't like that anybody got any picky kids picky eaters no I don't eat that No sauce. I've got my youngest. I want a hamburger, dry, no tomatoes, no list. I was like, just give him a piece of meat. That's all. And then cut. I won't pay for the rest of it. Just give me a piece of meat. Give me a deal. Because he don't want no sauce. He don't want no tomatoes. He don't want no onions. He don't want, he barely, he'll eat the bun. Gets picky. Finally, we, we got him to try a few things, and he started liking some things. Spinach is pretty good. Yeah. We've been telling you that for 10 years, son. This is not bad. Taste and see. Taste and see. Just try. Try the Lord. Try Jesus, as the song says. He never fails. Try him. Try him. Try him. Try him. Try Jesus. Try Jesus. Try Jesus. Just try him. It's the special on the, on the menu today. It's just the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. For those who fear him lack like nothing. Regina, would you come? I want to just tell you, if you're a child of God, You live under the blessing and the favor of the Lord. Now, this is going to get me happy. Because what you you sometimes do is you live your life like you're not favored. Like you live your life, you're just, I'm not blessed.
1: I'm just, I'm the last in the line. Just old me. It's kind
0: of like Eeyore. Anybody remember Eeyore? Eeyore.
1: Okay. Got to pay my taxes. Okay. I'll pay them. I'm not in God's favor. I'm not blessed. I'm just, you know, one of these days I'll get to heaven. Barely. I'll probably just stumble through the gates. Hopefully I'll have the strength. Bad things happen to me all the time. That's how church people think sometimes. Bad things always happen to me. Thank God I'm saved, or I'd probably give up and quit. Glad Pastor Preach has encouraged me because Monday's gonna come and it's gonna be terrible. Some of y'all think about Monday, alright? It's gonna be a bad week. It's gonna be hot. Man be hot. 107 Tuesday. I probably just need to stay home. I'll probably get sick this week because I'm telling you, it's just going to be bad. I'm sad. Come on,
0: let's praise God. Everybody be be happy over there.
1: Okay. You happy? No. We... We
0: don't live under the blessing and favor of God because we don't think that way. When we went on vacation, every, this is the kind of thing that we do in our family. We're kind of weird like that. Every vacation, we either have a song, uh, like a vacation theme song, or we have like a vacation word. You know our word was this vacation? What was it? What was it, Johnny? Favor. Favor. I got in the car the first day, I said... The word for this vacation is favor. Not flavor. Favor. The favor of the Lord. And I said, you guys, watch it. Watch it. You're going to see the favor every day of this vacation. Every day. The favor of the Lord. When you're on an island, there's only so many parking spots. And when you're on an island with a whole lot of people, there's only so many tables to sit at any restaurant. First night. We roll up. We're like, hey, y'all want to go? Yeah, we're all starving to death. Did y'all make reservations? Mm-mm. Well, reservations like two and a half, three hour wait. I'm like, nope. Favor. Some of y'all thinking right now, y'all, like, pastor has flipped his, it ain't no way. We pull up Main Street. Main street of this town. It's a little beach town, and everybody's there. There's thousands of people all coming, or you know, they're walking in. You got a restaurant? Yes, I do. I have a reservation. The name is Bill. Yes. Okay, come right this
1: way. We
0: roll up. There's cars all along the street, and we pull onto the main street. And as soon as I pull onto that main street, a car right in front of that place pulls out. Favor. Whoop! I pull in there. I was like, I looked at Shannon, I said, how many times does that happen since we've been here? She's like, never, ever. We walk up to this restaurant, Cheeseburger in Paradise. You have a reservation, sir? Why, no, we don't. How many's in your party? There'll be four of us. About that time, four people stood up like right there they stood up walked out sir the rest of these parties look like they have more than now there was there was six of us the rest of these parties look like that they're smaller and the only way that we can fit you in is to go ahead and put you would you like this table right now favor come on guys it's time to eat favor why? Because I'm blessed by the Lord God. I fear the Lord and I'm walking in favor. I'm walking in his way. Oh, that's so silly. A parking spot, a table. Oh no, it gets better. This happened all week long. Here's the good one. <laughs> I can't even tell that story. That's too long. Shannon brings this Swimsuit top, but she didn't have any bottoms. See, that's why it's so difficult for these ladies, guys. I mean, you got to have matching all this stuff. She brings a swimsuit top, and she said, "Well, I was going to wear this, you know, because they got to change bathing suits every day. We just turn ours inside out, and call it good." Some of you guys do that to your underwear, I think. Just turn it inside out, you can get twice as long out of. Twice the, twice the run, man. Saving on water. Saving on electricity, man. Making this last. Stretching it out. Shannon's like, I don't have any bottoms for these. And her and Sydney, I hear them talking. We're in this hotel. You know, it's multiple. We're on like the 10th floor, of this hotel. We go to bed. Wake up the next morning. Shannon and I, we always go out. We drink our coffee on that little... There's a little balcony just on on that deal. We sit out there and drink some coffee. She opens the the door, looks down, and on that balcony is a pair... is a swimsuit that's her size that perfectly matches this top that she had. And she said... She's like, this thing was laying on our balcony and it's my size and it matches my top. And I said, Favor! (laughs) You see, it's the blessing of the Lord. It's the small things and it's the big things. It's the favor of God. Let me tell you, my friend, if you fear the Lord, the favor of God is resting upon you. Stop thinking next week's going to be a terrible week. You start looking for the blessing of the Lord to just say, Lord God, I've got my basket ready. Keep on filling it up. Come on, Lord. Just pour it in. I'm ready. Let's go. Favor, favor, favor. How many of you want the favor of God to rest on your life? How many of you are ready to receive the blessing of the Lord financially? How many of you God wants to do something amazing in your job, in your place of business, in your family? Favor of the Lord. Start looking for it. Give the the devil a black eye. He said, lions will grow weak and weary, but those who trust the Lord will lack no good thing. You know, Peter says that there is a lion that roams about us, seeking whom he may devour. Let me tell you, you put that lion, the devil, on a starvation diet, and you start receiving the blessing of the Lord. Say, you ain't going to take me out, buddy. You're not going to come against me. You're not going to devour me because I am blessed and highly favored of God. I've tasted and I've seen the Lord is good. Stand with me this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.